Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. Um, today, I got to talk with Jennifer Hine. Um, this is a really fun episode. Um, I know that's weird to say about a chronic illness podcast, but I just um, hung up with her, and we ended up talking for like an extra hour after the after the podcast recording. So, um, just shows you how much fun we were having. Uh, I was really excited to do this interview um, because she was another person who, like me, had run a business and um, because of her chronic illness had to shut it down. So I was really excited to talk with her. She used to be a hairdresser. Um, Please listen all the way through because we got into so much stuff all the way through the talk and it went a little over because we started talking about um, when two people who have chronic illness are in a relationship together and how to make that work. Um, we talked about dates you can still do as a spoonie. Um, we talked about, of course, business owning and closing as a spoonie, um, all aspects of a relationship. We talked about um, her experiences and uh, my experiences also with uh, pain clinics along with the what the opioid crisis has done to people in chronic pain and their ability to get their medication. This is a long episode. I do understand that, but I really think you'll get a lot out of it if you listen all the way through to the end. Um, So thank you so much for listening this week. And I just want to take a shout out to Jenny at Jenny Eden Coaching, who was kind enough to share some kind words on our iTunes page. She said, I'm so happy that there's a forum for women and moms to discuss our sometimes silent and invisible ailments to shed light on them and bring community to the full spectrum of what human beings experience in their bodies. So needed and important. Thank you so much, Jenny. You can also hear Jenny's episode on iTunes and at our website, Invisible Not Broken. Um, Please tweet at us, tweet and share. These episodes um, are really good to share with uh, any groups you're a part of, friends and family who you want to understand chronic illness better. I will stop talking now, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Jenny Hind. Um, She's amazing. Okay, so hi, my name is Jed Hind, and I have a condition called thoracic outlet syndrome. That that sounds electrical. (laughs) It is very electrical, actually. I have a lot of fun um, nerve pain and nerve sensations that um, are pretty exciting and electrical. Because the nervous system is almost like plumbing or electricity. Like, it, it's a grid. Is this? Do you get, like, neuropathy? Can you explain what? I've never heard of this. That's And I've heard of most conditions, so that's crazy yeah. to me. I mean, I, I know, have I've most learned, of the conditions. <laughs> right. And I've learned a lot about conditions just from listening to your podcast, which is great. Um so basically, like the condition itself is, it's condition. It's it's defined as a group of disorders that occur when blood vessels or nerves in the space between your collarbone and your first rib, which is right underneath, um, are compressed, and it compresses your nerves. It can compress your arteries. It can comp- compress your veins. So there's actually three different kinds of. We call it TOS for short. Um, there's the neurogenic kind, which is like 85 to 95%. That's the kind I have. Um, there's like an arterial kind, which can cause people like blood clots if they lift their arms over their head. There's the venous kind. Um, obviously, I know the most about neurogenic because that's what I'm experiencing. And so what, what like the symptoms are basically is you have horrible pain um, shooting down your arm into your hand like nerve pain. Your shoulder hurts, your chest hurts, like kind of your scalene will hurt, your clavicle, your upper back and neck, 
So it's like your whole kind of upper extremity is just kind of like, you know, firing back at you. And um, I'm lucky enough that I have this on both sides. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) You won this genetic fuck you lottery. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I know. Well, at least I won some kind of lottery. So that's great. (laughs) Is there a better box we can all check for luck? I mean... (laughs) I know. I agree. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. And in fact, um, I didn't get the symptoms on my right until I started getting relief on my left. It was almost like my body was like, okay, we're going to give you the left. We're going to hold off. But then as soon as you get relief, we're going to let you know, Hey, guess what? There's a party over here too. And the bargains you end up making with yourself when you're chronically ill. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Last night. If I could only, you know, I, I'm super loopy today, so you're going to have to forgive me. Last night, I dislocated um, my tibia, my femur popped out, and then I completely popped out my left wrist like three times, and I'm just like sitting there making these bargains oh. like at four o'clock in the morning, like, if you just keep it at the left side, <laughs> we'll be okay. <laughs> it's fine. Right. You can go ahead. I, it's, I like the left side. It's nice. It's decorative. It's cute. Um, yeah. But just leave me the right side, okay? So I want to draw tomorrow. <laughs> like, you make weird yeah. bargains. So it's just your one side. And then the other side started. So there's so much to unpack here. Cause like, I want to definitely talk to you about like uh, your career definitely would be horribly impacted, but I'm really curious yeah. with this insane group of symptoms. How did you get a diagnosis? I mean, that doesn't sound like it's visual. That sounds incredibly invis- invisible illness there. It is. And they always say it's based, it's a, it's a symptoms based diagnosis, which are really fun because <laughs> what could right, go wrong no- there? <laughs> Well, I know, right? It seems so easy and clear. It's like there's no test. I mean, I went through all these MRIs and ultrasounds and all these other things. Um, but, yeah, it's a symptoms-based test. And they have this one kind of specific thing they call AdSense where they have you hold your arms kind of like in a football goalie position and make like a duck quacking <laughs> motion with your hand. And, you know, basically if you can't do that longer than a few minutes, they say, oh, you have TOS. Now, are you sure there it's is. diagnostic and not the doctor's hazing you? Because that sounds hazing. Like, mm-hmm. that, that sounds like they're just messing with you. Oh, my gosh. It flares me up like no other. And seriously, I'm to the point now where when I go in, I'm like, I, please don't make me do the AdSense test. I have to. Oh, like, my God. Please. Yes. I mean, can we just talk about painful, weird tests for a second and how many times you have yeah. to take them? Like, for oh my, my fibro, they had to, like, go to, like, the. if anyone who's ever had a fibro test, it's awful if you have it and you're supposed to hit like 16 really? it's on your back and there's I think it's 16 pressure points I'm probably wrong I'll look it up I'll put it in the show notes if you guys really want me to but um when they say you'll be sensitive that's not really accurate it's more like trying to put a cat in a bathtub like it's you jump to the <laughs> ceiling and you start clawing at it and almost every yeah. doctor until I got the other stainless um diagnosis for 10 years every time I went into a new doctor it's like let me just do the test again yeah And I get that they all want, you know, to have a chance to diagnose us, but it's like, you know, I've been diagnosed by 10 other people. Clearly I have this. I'm here for that reason. Can we maybe just like move on? So I have a question for you because I am curious. So when it comes to Eller Stainless, especially here in the Bay Area, there's Mm -hmm. only one doctor really that anyone will accept the diagnosis from. 
And it, it's like the weirdest thing. It's like if you had cancer and then they're like, yeah, you maybe you probably just looked that up on Google or some right. like GP just looked at your symptoms. But yeah, unless this one doctor and that one doctor is a three year wait list, by the way. And now it's retired. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> it's insane. So is it like that for you guys, too, where it's like you have to get like a specific doctor to give you the diagnosis before anyone believes you? We definitely do. Um, and unfortunately, like so. There are different doctors who can diagnose you, like a physiatrist or a rheumatologist. But in terms of, like, going further, like, with surgery and stuff, there really aren't very many specialists. And you end up getting sent to a vascular surgeon. Um, and there's really only two in the Bay Area. There's one at Stanford who I had my surgery with and did not have a good experience. We can talk about that in another time if you'd like. Oh, um, we'll then, talk about that later if you like. <laughs> yeah. It's been brutal to this day. And then um, there's another doctor up at UC Davis. So, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, and I, you're driving. You're constantly driving for your treatments. And With, when you're in pain, yeah, right, <laughs> I, I'm unable to drive because I have it on both sides. So I have to get a ride. And even sitting in the car is, like, painful. I'm sure you understand that. It's like <laughs> any little movement or jolt or, like, a, a bumpy road, which, let's face it, um, I don't know about Oakland, but Pacifica, lots of potholes. You guys actually shockingly have it worse than over here. Like, um, it's it, Pacifica is a special kind of a chilled vibe when it comes to infrastructure. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll get around <laughs> to it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, for international audience, the the um, places we're talking about, Davis and Stanford, are hours apart. Like. Hey, we're, this is not just like a small little area. This is like, what would you say? About two hours? So for without me traffic? Stanford, <laughs> yeah. Uh, without traffic to Stanford, it's 35 minutes. And to Davis, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And with traffic, because uh, even for me to get to Stanford, it can, if, um, the, there's only two bridges. Okay, international audience. <laughs> if you are not yeah. on the peninsula, you have to cross at a bridge. These bridges between the hours of like, I don't know, what would you say, like 6.37 to about Nightmare. like 10.30 in the morning? And I'm not exaggerating. Uh -huh. If anyone no. has an accident on these bridges, you are going to need to sit back and chill. It's it's done. So mm -hmm. we always have to, for Stanford appointments, I usually leave like two or three hours early. And then I'm like, okay, so there's no traffic. There's a great cafe at Stanford. Yeah, that's true. And a piano player in the lobby. Even. I, I Have you ever seen a place that looks like a fancy hotel like that? We've got to like, we have to like sync up our appointments there and have coffee and catch up. It's I know, beautiful. Like, Definitely. okay, so if you all are in different areas, um, this is like a hotel. You walk into the Stanford Center and you're met at a lobby by like almost a concierge. Yes. And then there's a piano player. And if he's not there, there's uh, the piano plays on its own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the locker rooms look like Equinox fancy gym locker rooms. It was like yeah. this is nuts, and they have lawn furniture out in the back where you can just sit and chill and like watch the grass. <laughs> Nicely groomed, you know, yards. And fancy. I, know. I like seriously. Hospitals need to step up their game. This is like <laughs> I'm like oh yeah, surgeon over here, surgeon at Stanford. Except the surgeons there are not nice to me, so I have to find a me new place. Me neither. Yeah, I've had a horrible experience. I I was mine. just told, um, yeah, we're not touching you. Bye. <laughs> and isn't that fun when you drive all that way and then they're like, sorry, see you later. Nothing we can. And you walk away with no tools. No. And you're just like more disappointed than when you went in. 
my least favorite is because it's a teaching hospital. So I went in because my right wrist started to go and I also illustrate and write children's books. So this was like devastating. And they had the line of cute, shiny faced interns. And this guy is the surgeon's like telling me, well, there's nothing we can do except fuse your hand and that will keep you from drawing. So this is the end of the road. Yes or no. And I have the interns all looking like they're going to cry behind him. And I'm like, no, no, you guys don't get to do that. I get to cry, not you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's a whole tangent. But yeah. Well, if we do cry in appointments, which is what happened to me recently, then suddenly like we're emotional and we're overly angry and we're like a problem patient. And it's like, Oh, I'm sorry that I have emotion because I've been in pain for so long and I'm looking for answers like my bad, you know, I'm not a robot. I mean, we're women. We're always skirting the hysterical diagnosis. Like, right. Oh, totally. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. As soon as we cry, we're hysterical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unreasonable. Too emotional mm-hmm. to handle it. Okay. Yeah. So you used to be a hairstylist, correct? Which is yes. why your hair is looking so ridiculously cute short, which I cannot manage. <laughs> um, I would love to. How did this affect Thank you? Because you're so. I feel like I have to back up even. Okay, so you're telling me that your your shoulders are incredibly painful, and what are the rest of your symptoms? So I have like there's pain in my neck on the front and back, uh, my upper back, like my trap muscle, in through my clavicle and pec muscle. And then my shoulders ache. And then I have nerve pain that like shoots down all the way down my arm and into my hands. So basically it just deems my arms unusable, to be honest with you. Like here's, if I could like have a choice between listing off the activities I can't do and the ones I can, let's go with the can because it's such a shorter list, you know? And honestly, doing hair is what is what did this to me. And that's a little bit hard for me to swallow is that my career that I loved and I had my own salon like did this to me. And I don't want to say like it ruined my life, but temporarily it kind of has, you know? So this was not saying you were born with, this is something that developed. Mm-mm. Yeah. Wow. Literally, I, I woke up with it like one day. Oh my God. Yeah. You're like the fourth person. And this blows my mind on how brave you all are because like the idea that something switched that extremely from one day to the next it's like, I can't even begin to process. I've been getting sick and being sick since I was eight. I mean, I've had decades. Let's be, let's, let's just be honest about that decades to process. Like how can you explain what that was like to just wake up? Was it just like searing pain and doctor? Yeah. Uh, so I woke up with a migraine and a really stiff neck and I have scoliosis as well. Very mild, but in the past I've always gone to a chiropractor and they can kind of fix me up. And so I thought, Oh, my neck's out, you know? And so I went to a chiropractor who like, wasn't very good and finally ended up going to the doctor. Um, I think I'm getting off track here, but no, you're still on track. So you woke up with tremendous yeah, pain. You went I, to the I chiropractor. Yeah. And like, so the pain I was having was a migraine, a stiff neck. And then I started having like, my arm was on fire for about like two weeks, which was really fun. Um, and then like began the journey so I, I went to this one chiropractor for three months. She was adjusting me violently um, and kept like telling me, oh, you're fine. the cervical adjustment? Like oh, yeah. the I'm going to snap your neck like in a Bond movie adjustment? Totally. Yeah, okay. like the Bond movie style <gasps> death. Totally. And like so creepy. Other, yeah, and then she'd send me into a room and I'm doing all these like really hardcore exercises and like my pain just kept getting worse and worse. And she just kept 
telling me everything was fine. And, um, finally I decided to leave her and go to a different chiropractor. And literally on my first visit, this chiropractor was like, I think you might have this thing called thoracic outlet syndrome. And it was like, I wanted to cry because finally I had a name. And so I went and Googled it. And then after that, I started to, you know, the path of seeing doctors, orthopedic specialists, rheumatologists, physiatrists, blah, 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 and ended up getting a formal diagnosis. Um, there's a test called an EMG. It's a nerve conduction study where they are able to pulse your nerves and actually, you may have had this, see if they're responding. And they did that on me. And I actually tested positive. And it's like, she, she almost like jumped. She was so shocked because she said it's like one out of a thousand people will actually test positive for this with TOS. So when I did that, um, when I got that test done, was I believe in like August of last year, Finally, I was kind of fast-tracked to this vascular surgeon who I ended up having the surgery with, which so far has been pretty unsuccessful. But to answer your question, like waking up one day um, and having your whole life completely be different, I spent a lot of time being angry. I think I still am angry, um, you know, and it was like things were kind of taken away one by one, and it was like I had kind of obviously, you know, getting my own salon, it takes a lot of work. And as you know, like building up your business with your clientele takes time and blood, sweat and tears went into that place. So to have everything kind of just stop suddenly. Yeah. I mean, it was really hard to digest, very hard to accept. It's taken me like the full two and a half years I've had it. And I'm still working on that. I, two and a half years. I mean, you're a baby at this. Like you, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's like brand new still. I mean, that Mm -hmm. you're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm very yeah. impressed. Um, how, if you don't want to answer this, please feel free not to, but, um, how did you handle this? Because we live in the United States, which means, uh, healthcare is, we'll say entertaining. I'm too exhausted for rage <laughs> yeah. today. I can't, I cannot get it up for rage at the moment. I'm too tired. Um, Good, but, yeah, me neither. Uh, how did you financially handle this? Because, and not only are you dealing with, like, you probably had to buy your insurance, which, oh, my God, that's expensive. Um, but you're missing days at the salon, multiple days, I'm assuming, between mm -hmm. chronic pain and a lot of doctor's appointments. How did you swing this? Well, honestly, when this started, I pretty much became unable to do hair right away. Um, wow. And what I would do is I would, like, reschedule my – because, my, you know, my chiropractor kept telling me I was going to get better. I really believed it. I didn't know I had this chronic condition yet. And so I was rescheduling, oh, let's do next week, next week. And then I had to keep letting people down. I mean, it was just like this horrible cycle. <laughs> oh, my um, God. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. What was your original question? I feel like I keep getting off. You're, track you're right like, there. You're uh, Okay, so Kiros, <laughs> if he's listening right now, is laughing his ass off. He's like, see, this is what it's like, Monica. This is what happens when you prepare and someone keeps knocking you off track. This is it. And I will say, no, it's actually fine and fun. So there, Kiros. Um, yeah. He's going to be so mad at me later. Um, so funny. No, I, I, you're actually answering it perfectly. I was just asking, like, how did you financially and uh, financially, physically yeah, okay. swing all of these, like, missed appointments with your is you're getting paid only through your clients Services. yeah right, and yeah, then you also have, have an overhead I'm guessing of a salon that's pretty extreme yeah. Yeah, uh, so the area you're in is not cheap no no it's definitely not you already know that um so I being a hairstylist I'm able to write off a lot of things and I luckily was able to get Medi-Cal um like three months before this happened to me wow 
Yeah. And How did you thankfully, do that? That's hard. It's really hard to it's, get. I know. I know. And I was just like, like I said, I was able to write off enough and um, get in like barely under. And I'm really grateful because Medi-Cal is an insurance that pays for 100% of everything. I don't have any co-pays. It is difficult because you have to work in their network, but that's almost every insurance out there. And I'm so grateful that everything I've gotten has been free. Wow. So that part was easy. Um, but what, what wasn't easy was you're right. The overhead for my salon, which was like this looming thing every month that I would be horribly stressed was coming. How are we going to pay for this? And then, yeah, I'm not making any money from my clients. So what I ended up doing was after about three months, um, I realized like, okay, I got to figure something out here. And I wasn't ready to just give up and sell the salon. So I hired someone, um, a couple people to work for me and rent. And that basically covered the cost of the salon, but I wasn't, you know, it was just like I was breaking even. And, um, finally after about a year, I just kind of realized like, look, I don't think I'm going back soon. This is causing me so much stress. And then I finally like decided to sell it, which was heartbreaking, obviously. Yeah. 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 As you know, like giving up a career you love and a business you love, it's like a double slap to the face or just like really a slap to the heart almost. I mean, you and I ran very, so I was a photographer, I was a portrait photographer in the Silicon Valley for years and the businesses that we ran are almost where you meet your friends. Like that's, right. and it's not like, you know, you're, you built an app and now you're like just pitching meetings. Like these are people who trust you with their stories and you're, mm-hmm. that's almost your, half your social life is right there. And, and it's, your yeah. it's also your creative outlet and it's your, yeah. it's your scratch behind the ear. And I think that that's something that's really missing in all of these arguments when they're talking about people on disability and like the people gaming the system is like, it's not money necessarily. It is absolutely money that people need, but it's, you know, all of us would trade this, most of us would trade this for the scratch behind the ear, for the, the purpose. Oh, yeah. Like, you're and really you, you good at this. Have... Scratch, scratch, scratch. You know, like, right. <laughs> you're awesome. We love you. Scratch. I mean, you don't get into this business if you're not a people person, if you don't need, like, constant, like, yay, I need people and connection. and <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, it's like you get this joy out of making people happy and you touched on something really important, the creative outlet. That is such an important thing for me. And when I don't have that, I start to go a little insane. And I'm sure I become a little less fun to be around. And right now, like, I don't have that. I can't draw. I can't do hair. I can't. It's It's been really hard. And so basically, like, the activities I do during the day, I rotate between meditation, walking, listening to podcasts, books, um, or music, or watching TV you know, or self-reflecting time, which, you know, can be good or bad thing, depending on <laughs> your mood for that day. <laughs> yeah, that, um, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, it's really funny because we're touching on so many things. I, uh, Kira said, I just recorded a panel discussion yesterday about, um, the hidden cost of chronic illness, emotional, physical, and financial. And that was one of the things we were talking about because he and I are both now very isolated during the day. It's like, huh, Yep, it's either a really good thing or, wow, that gets dark fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just depends on the day. Like there's some days where I'm like doing good. I'm okay. I'm accepting it. I'm really not beating myself up. And then uh, it's like the next day I am just like bottom of the barrel, just, you know, depressed, 
angry. It just, it's hills and valleys constantly, constantly. Uh, yeah, it's a roller coaster. Like no one, no one quite prepares you for, <laughs> for and how can they, right? Like who? it's, it's crazy when you look at the stats that they're like, I don't know if it's one in two or one in three Americans are walking around in chronic pain. And before I had it, I really honestly had no clue about this world. And now, like, it is my world. It's just so strange how that happens. And like you said, like, overnight it happened to me. That's that's an absolute shocking thing to me because, like, my overnight stuff is, like, I don't know if I can walk one minute literally to the next. Like, that's always, uh, hey, this next step. Is that going to be the last one for two or three weeks? But I'm used yeah. to that cycle. Like, that's not a new thing. I, I'm frustrated, but then it's like, oh. Good. There's that whole show I was going to stream anyway. (laughs) And uh, I've kind of learned how to like leave things to those, you know, those downtimes so that I, Mm -hmm. because they're always coming. Exactly. But with hair, I I just wanted to like touch on this one more thing because it, um, I think this is where we're very similar in our old careers is that like for, I used to do a lot of boudoir photography and that was a huge passion of mine because I am so frustrated with the beauty industry and what it does to women's confidence if they don't look like the women who don't even look like that after the Photoshop that's done. So like the big feed for me was like showing women the beautiful that I saw in them, like showing Mm -hmm. them what I'm seeing and then watching that kind of radiate through. And like, that was such a high, it was just such an exciting thing to really like, be a part of dismantling the patriarchy beauty system. And I mean, nothing yeah. I like more than dismantling the patriarchy. It really, like, that's my jam. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. yeah, showing women that, you know, the, beauty is not airbrush necessarily, or even should be, or could be. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, How is that for you to like, I guess I'm with hair. I mean, it's happened once or twice. I've gotten a really good haircut and I'm like glowing and bouncing out of the salon. Like, especially yeah, right after my daughter, like I had a, a six month old and I like got the cute haircut after it had a baby. And I was like, Elsie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and not like necessarily overweight. Just like everything was hanging off of me. Like a baby was hanging off of me. A <laughs> five year old was like needing my attention. And like, I was like, I don't know what to do with any of this. And like, I was just all bouncy after someone took care of me and like washed my hair. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So how do you find that space where you're, I mean, like, this podcast is literally my outlet for that now. Like, it is, it, that's my scratch behind the ear now is to do this podcast and to hear from really kind people who send me emails going, this helps. So I was like, yay, and what do you perfect, have? Right? To, to, yeah. To, to, I, I was really lost for a while. It was six ugly, dark months. And then when I, I lost the ability to draw every day, it was like, okay, I need to find something else. And then I thought about doing this podcast and that's been um sanity saving what have you found to like I believe you (laughs) yeah and I mean like you were saying I used you know my favorite it's funny that you mentioned that my favorite client was the client who would come in who had just had a baby and hadn't had a haircut in like six to nine months (laughs) who felt hideous about themselves because they just had a baby and you know you don't really have a lot of time to take care of yourself And then they would just be glowing walking out the salon. And that was like, that to me was like why I was there. You know, like I enjoyed that more than anything else about my job was exactly that, that good feel, that kind of high that you get from watching someone go from feeling horrible about themselves to feeling great. I mean, to be fair, part of the glow is like actually getting like all the dirt out of (laughs) and all the milk and baby girl and baby vomit out of the hair. I mean. Yeah, like an actual hair wash. You're like, wow, this is amazing. I actually have time. Well, you know, 
somewhat to get a <laughs> get an actual hair wash. I mean, no one understands not showering like a new parent or someone who's chronically ill. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's like you work yourself up. I have to. I like try to like psych myself up. I'm like, okay, today it's going to be the day. It's going to be the day. And then I'm like, no, it isn't going to be the day, and that's okay. I mean, I've had to go down to child rules that I cannot shower unless someone's in the house. I mean, and that's smart. I, it's honestly. sad. I mean, it's like I'm a middle-aged woman. This is insane. Right. <laughs> but it's I know. true because, like, if you take a – like, with pots and – like, I have pots and the LR stainless. So it's like with pots, if I take a hot shower, I can easily pass out in the shower, after the shower, need a nap after really? the shower. Um, yeah, okay. it's, it's crazy. And then – I get dislocation. So if I'm trying to wash my hair, I can easily like completely rip this arm out of its socket and it'll just be like Frankensteining and just hanging there. <laughs> is that because of the heat? Like it makes everything looser or something? What, what is- yes, but it also stops muscle spasms. So you're always fighting both. So um, the worst thing about the dislocation is the muscle spasm. And I, I'm saying the worst thing just from a medical standpoint because the, the muscle spasm keeps the joint from coming back into the socket. So you okay. have to stop the spasming in order to get the joint back in and right, for me okay. it could be any joint it's a lottery <laughs> and there's so many joints in the body yeah and so for you um how do you how do you handle your showering with arms that are not able to rise above this sounds difficult and complicated it is difficult and complicated <laughs> after i had my surgery on december 11th i couldn't shower in my own shower because I have a small shower and I had to literally go to my friend's house and shower because she had an actual normal size shower so that I could step out of the water because I couldn't reach up to like move the shower head. You know, you, sometimes you need the shower, the water off you to like rinse your body and stuff. Um, but showering, yeah, it's difficult. I use mainly my right arm because my right arm is the less painful of the two. It's my non-surgical side. And, you know, it's just, I try to do it on a day when like going, like, you know, putting my arms above my head, isn't the worst and just take a quick shower. And again, that's why I, I cut my hair. Cause I have like really long, beautiful, thick hair like you and your hair is beautiful. Oh, you are so nice right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I know like you haven't brushed it, but I'm just like, from a hairstylist perspective, you have nice hair, nice I, hair texture. It's actually and, like shorter than it was it used to be like all the way down like through the back and all the way to the to the tailbone but wow it's just (laughs) unmanageable at that point like I was I can't have anything touching so if you can see like this is my TOS style normally I have one shoulder off today I have both shoulders off my tank top because my right side's bothering me but I can't even wear like a shirt on my left shoulder so I call it like my TOS fashion it's adorable. You were going to start like, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but if you remember the nineties at all, like all of us had those, like the, um, what was it? The overalls oh, with yeah. like one, one strap off. And like, right. if you were in high school, you had only like the backpack with the one strap on. Yes. <laughs> See, you're just, I, you're, you're catching. So remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're a little younger, but yeah, you're, you're you remember some of this stuff. <laughs> Oh, and something else that I'm bringing back is fanny packs. Fanny packs are becoming not just for fashion anymore, my friends. (laughs) They are functional, yes. Now, if you bring back the hammer pants, you got to let me know. I will. I will be the first to know, trust me. (laughs) Okay, so fanny packs because purse is impossible, I'm guessing. Yes, and backpacks are impossible. I can't have any kind of weight, even putting clothes on. I'm guessing bra is a nightmare. 
Well, do you, did you say you have fibromyalgia? I do. I have fibro, POTS, um, Ehlers-Danlos, uh, mild scoliosis. Uh, yeah, I, I've given up even asking anymore. I'm like, we've got you enough ever... acronyms. We're done. Yeah. I mean, unless you well, want to put a PhD ever... there, then I'll take another acronym. Right. But, <laughs> you uh, should get one. We <gasps> never just have one, I feel like. It's never just one problem, you know? Um, yeah, so fanny packs Collect are great. Them all. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just take one of each. So a bra, I'm guessing, is like also just not going to happen. Bras are out. I gave up bras about two years ago. And honestly, I'm not upset about it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Oh, my God. I hear you. (laughs) I I, I couldn't even put one on. Like between like trying to reach around to my back to like. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yeah, And then the um, I always wear my hair over the shoulder because you could see um, you could go all the way into the joint here. So I always like do this so that I don't scare people. But um yeah, the bra strap right on the dislocation is not the best. No, and even like you know from having fibro, like even just having clothing on your body or the wrong texture of a blanket <sighs> or like the wind blowing on the wrong day is horribly painful. And it's so hard to explain that to people, like that just having clothes on hurts. Yes. So how do you manage the pain? What are you doing for pain management? Oh, Because it sounds management. like everything you do from brushing your teeth to like moving in bed, to putting on clothing, to trying to eat, to like just basic survival life sounds agonizing. How do you, Yeah. It, how are you managing? Um, well, I got to a point last August where I stopped being able to like leave my house and drive because um, the pain was so high. And that's why I decided to have surgery in December. And obviously I had surgery with the hopes, the surgery they do is they go in and they remove they make an incision either under your armpit or above the clavicle, and they go in and remove part of your, your middle scalene and part of your first rib. And basically the idea is that they're decompressing that area that's compressed. Wow. So I had that in hopes that, like, you know, things were going to get better. Um, they kind of did for a little while, and then they kind of just – the symptoms are different, but I still have so much pain. It's like I'm living in, like, a seven to eight pain every day, and as you know, like, that's – can be unmanageable at times. So right now what I'm doing is, you know, meditation. Um, I've kind of decided to suck it up and start taking my Norcos again, which I hate, but like, you know, (laughs) I was just listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about the opioid crisis and how they lump all of them in one category. And it's like Norco is basically Tylenol. Fentanyl is not. So it's like, I, but I get the same treatment. Like, you know, I've been treated like a drug addict. I've been treated, you know, at the pharmacy by doctors. And I don't like taking these things. My body doesn't like them. I'm allergic to a lot of them. But lately I've had to go back on them just to get through the day and survive and not just be, you know, miserable. Like, so I do that. I walk. I just try to distract, you know, by like podcasts, stuff like that. Um, and then I have managed to join up with a great um, online Facebook support group for TOS. And Hello, TOS there, support group. How are you? Yeah. God, online support this, groups. Sure. Thank you so much, online support groups. They have saved me. I literally, one person told me about it and I was like, ah, whatever. And I went and looked it up. And honestly, these people have talked me off of a ledge so many times. They have, you know, walked me through every step of my surgery recovery. And it's just, 
it's just nice, you know, to have other people who know what you're going through, who you can reach out to versus, you know, I have obviously a couple friends here, but they don't know really what I'm going through. And you never want to call your friends who don't have chronic pain and just start bitching about doctors and pain and this and that. It's like, I almost like don't want to talk to them about that because I don't want to like bombard them and have this kind of negative undertone to the, to the conversation. But with chronic pain people, it's a little bit different. They understand and you can kind of vent or you can, you know, and I like to go on there and give back and help other people going through the same thing too. It's a, it's a great way to connect. Well, sometimes you just want the people you can pretend to be normal around, like absolutely, even for like 10 minutes, like someone you can have a conversation with that's not about your medical condition or having to explain, oh, I look great today. Yeah, that's a lot of makeup and pills. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not so fraught with landmines of, I hope you get better. How are you doing today? You look like you're having a good day. Like there's all these like normal conversation standpoints that are so hard to navigate. And with other people with chronic illness, it's not something you necessarily have to explain as difficult. <laughs> right. But the yeah. support groups are so great. I mean, like, I didn't even want to think about it because I am a snarky bitch. I'm so awful that I wouldn't even go to Lamaze <laughs> classes when I was pregnant because I'm like, I would get kicked out. I'm not that person. I <laughs> do not necessarily play well with others. My sense of humor is <laughs> very, very specified. And, I love it. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm a whole lot. I used to tell my wedding clients um, that um, they were interviewing me just to like see if my personality was something they could deal with for 10 hours. Like, I'm like, look, if I'm annoying after 30 minutes, I can find you someone. I will find you someone. I promise. But I, this is me and I can't, I can bake it for 45 minutes. I can be appropriate for 45 minutes. And that's my max after that. <laughs> this yeah. is what you get for 10 hours. So, um, and especially when you're in chronic pain, like to be honest, managing a chronic condition is a full-time job. It takes up all of my energy throughout the day. Talk about pain management. That's what I do all day. So it's like, I really don't have the extra energy to put on a face or pretend like things are fine or, and I want to be able to be myself. There's nothing worse than when you're talking to someone and you feel like you cannot be yourself and you have to pretend like you're not suffering. Yes. (laughs) That's exhausting. There's it nothing exhausting. more exhausting than always like checking your facial expressions. Do I look like I'm screaming on the inside? No. Oh, good. The smile is working. I'll keep that one on. Mm-hmm. And speaking of facial expressions, like, can we talk about the pain scale with the faces on it? Oh my God. Yes. Have you found, um, hyperbole and a half? No, but I will look it up. I, know, I found I, this up. Yes, I'm going to link it in the show notes because it's my family's favorite thing on the face of the earth because she has this like thing about um, taking her boyfriend or fiance to the ER and the pain scale face. And then she writes her own like little things underneath each of them. I have seen that. Ah, And then she did her own and like her own was like, um, that's really interesting about giraffes. Can we talk about something else now? And then it was like... Jesus is coming for me and I'm scared. And then there's actively yeah. being mauled by a bear. And then there's, I don't With know, I'm dying hand. or it's Ebola. <laughs> this. And I start bringing it into doctors going, okay, if you find this funny, we can, we can talk. Otherwise yeah. this isn't going to work. Yeah. And according to that chart, like really I should never be at the doctor because I'm always smiling and calm and stoic and you know, I want to be like a non-difficult patient. And so Mm. I don't have those faces on when I go in. 
<laughs> no, but you make such a great point. And that's why so many of us die at the ER because the doctor and the nurse's pain scale is not yours. And it's no. really important. And this is what I've learned to do is every time it's my big spoony tip for the day. When they ask you at the doctor's office what your pain scale is, ask your pain scale or mine, because that's a really right. important distinction. And it's not, that's me not being snarky or funny. I mean, I guess I'm always snarky and funny, but that's like but it's for real. real. Like you yeah. have to, otherwise they're going, if you're like, I don't know, it's a four or a five, but it's your four or five. That's not what the doctor wants to know. They want to know what the normal person's is, which is probably more like an eight. Exactly. Like my five is your 20. And uh-huh. when I first started going in and getting diagnosed, they would always ask me what's your pain today. And I honestly, one to 10 is such a big number. They should do one to five because trying to figure out as a person with no clue what the heck that means, I was always saying a four when really I was in like a six to seven yeah. because I didn't, you just don't understand what that really means. No, and then they're like, okay, 10 is the most unimaginable pain you've ever had. It's like, well, if it's unimaginable, how do I know when I've hit it? Like, right. <laughs> so I, I had a nurse when I was in labor because I was like, okay, I really just need to know when you're telling me a 10 is where this is all going to start up. I need to know what I'm looking for here. And she's like, oh, for you, when you stop being a smart ass, that's when you've hit a 10. I'm like, great, oh. excellent. <laughs> I understand that. I've got that now. Cool. I now know what 10 yeah. is. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that perspective. That's so funny. Right? Well, it's actually, I use that to this day. I mean, my husband uses that to this day. It's like, wow, you're not being sarcastic anymore. I guess this is really a problem. Yeah. So That's good. You have a, it's like you have a tell. I, I, see, being a smart-ass <laughs> bitch has finally helped me in life. <laughs> I mean, it I always... paid off. <laughs> I always thought how I was going to die. I was saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. But, hey, it might actually be life-saving. <laughs> It's going to save you in the end. <laughs> it has to do something good, right? Exactly. Of course. So yeah, and like that, you have to advocate for yourself so hard too. And like that can come across as being bitchy or rude or. But know. advocating for yourself first off when you're in agony is, I don't have the energy for it. Like, no, it's so all. unfair. Yeah. But you're right. Like women, especially, um, female, uh, people who are raised, I'm sorry, I'm trying so hard because I did get a letter from someone who's trans who's like, your language is excluding. And so I'm really trying to figure out what the right language <laughs> is. So all of my wonderful trans um, listeners and non-binary and binary, I'm really trying to learn the language here. So you're going to have to be patient mm-hmm. with me. I'm old. I'm trying. <laughs> no shade is met here. Um, but uh, I think when you're raised in a culture like this one, and you're identifying female, I hope that's right, um, you get raised mm-hmm. to be nice. Be good, right. be nice, be be accommodating. Be um, polite. Yeah. Kind of like just take it and suck it up. Uh, and try to find your way to convince the person it was their idea. And that's, <laughs> I mean, how that's many so fun. how many fucking sitcoms <laughs> did you ever watch where that was what the mom did to get the dad to do it? It's like, <laughs> what kind of indoctrinating horseshit is this? Like, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Can we just ask for what we want? And then 2016 really proved, no, you can't just ask for what you want. You can't just be out there being the best and saying, sorry, <laughs> had to go political. Um, right. But, well, hey, it happens. But, you know, no matter which side of that debate you're on, um, and if you're on the other side, I'm really curious why you're listening um but uh, (laughs) and hey thanks (laughs) um but it really did show that you can be the best you can know what you're doing but 
anything you do that's powerful or showing that you understand what's going on or trying to ask for exactly what you want is shrill. Right. Like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. How are we going to save our lives when we were asking for things or trying to be specific? And I mean, like the scariest one is to go into a pain clinic because oh. if you do not convince them that you really need what you need, and that you are not a drug addict. And let me explain. I come from a huge level of privilege. Like, I am pale as can be, and I am at a certain economic class. So, and I'm a mom, and I'm married. Like, I don't get much more, like, suburban uh, <laughs> feeling except my tattoos. <laughs> and I still get so much shit, and I still get terrified every time. Like, if I mm-hmm. go, hey, there's been more dislocations in the last, like, eight months, we really need to work on this, like, pain management, I'm always terrified they're going to put me on a list, or if I have to go to the ER because I'm screaming, like, am I going to now go on a list and I won't be able to get my medication ever, and that is a thing, people, right. I am not paranoid, I, I know people that this has happened to, where, yes, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so scary, and <laughs> it's a very hard thing to navigate, and so you're on Norco, and um, did I read, right, that you're also using marijuana? Yes, I use medical marijuana every day. Thank you, California. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> Would not amazing. make it without it. I mean, that's no. the opioids and the medical marijuana are the only reason I'm able to sit here and do this. <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, like, it helps with the pain. It helps with the mood. It helps with the anxiety, the sleeping. I mean, all of the facets of the chronic pain it helps with. And it's not a cure-all. Like, for me, I know a lot of people get, like, amazing results from CBD CBD doesn't do anything for me. THC works. But, you know, it's anything that, that can help you a little is a huge thing. I, I get really frustrated, too, about that debate because people be like, oh, well, why don't you just use marijuana for your pain medicine instead of the opioids? And it's like, all right, Sparky, let's back that up for a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's For some people, it is a cure-all. Like, I, right. I feel like if I just had fibromyalgia pain, not saying anyone with fibro that this is not working for you. I'm not saying this should absolutely work for you. I'm just saying for me personally, I feel like it could have put me on a manageable level with just just the fiber pain. All of you with just fibro, it's not just. You are all brave. Um, but with everything else, like it does not stand up to a shoulder dislocation. It does not stand no. up to a hip dislocation. Like this is, Mm-mm. yeah, but it helps. Yeah, and you know, all of these conditions are so individualized. Like, yes, I have thoracic outlet syndrome, but there are, it's such a broad spectrum of the amount of pain you're in, the amount of nerve compression you have, the different kinds you have, how you respond to surgery. And it's the same thing with what's going to work for pain relief for you. Is it going to be an anti-inflammatory and a muscle relaxer? Is it going to be a nerve pain medication? Is it going to be all of those, which I take a plethora of pills, which I don't really, I'm not sure if they're doing anything. I just love a plethora of pills. Like, if was looking for oh, a yeah. good, like, punk band name, plethora of pills. I mean, it's yeah, like pills. a nice tongue twister. <laughs> you can, like, really, like, riot girl that shit. Like, that's awesome. Totally. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like I, I have my own pharmacy over here, so. And do you have the incredible fun of the uh, carousel where it's working and then suddenly not working? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to yeah, try a whole new level of Hunger Game pills of this could help you or kill you. Uh, we're, we'll see. Right. Absolutely. I have a really high metabolism. And because of that, like I build up tolerances to things really quickly and they go through my body really quickly, which is fun. And when you've been on a medication like nerve pain medication like gabapentin, like I have for two years. Oh my God, that's what you're on? 
Yaman gabapentin. <laughs> gabapentin, I take uh, diclofenac, which is an anti-inflammatory. I take Tylenol. I take Norco. Do you want to explain the side effects of gabapentin? So for me, I am the side effects queen. Okay. So I was shocked that I did not have many side effects from gabapentin. Wow. Okay. Cheers. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky because I've read nightmare stories nightmare stories so yeah i got lucky but i've tried they keep trying to push like antidepressants on me and every time i try those i have like the worst side effects like the worst tremors pupils dilated like you know weird talking it's like i good luck trying to convince people you're not drug addict with those side effects (laughs) thank you and my doctor's always like well if you can just get through the side effects for a couple weeks it might be worth it and i'm like i'm sorry but no not in the level of pain i'm already in i can't just kind of suck it up and I really don't want to. I had Stanford um, pain clinic try to convince me to like move through the side effects, and they were suicidal tendencies. This is who I'm talking about is Stanford pain clinic. They okay, don't give yeah, you, don't yeah. sue us by the way, Stanford. But these are our personal experiences only with Stanford pain clinic. I always have to be exactly. careful all this stuff, but um, yeah, that was yeah. shocking to me that it was like that's what I'm just supposed to handle. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I guess it would solve problems, but yeah. Well, in touching on what you said about getting on that list, I had a follow-up with my surgeon on Wednesday, which nearly, like, ruined my whole life. He um, was really mean to me, and I don't know where this is coming from, but he came in and he basically told me I'm the least successful surgery he's ever had. So that was your fault, not his? I mean, that seems like he's admitting, like, he sucks. (laughs) No, no. Everything was my fault. He did everything perfect. What he told me was that I had a successful surgery that just didn't work for me. Explain that one to me. He He needs to run for office, honestly. Like, that's... (laughs) Maybe he should. Yeah, I won't mention his name, but um, (laughs) I could. But I, you know, so he does that. And that makes me, like, start breaking down because I'm, like, the worst possible outcome. This is not good news. Then he proceeds to, like, just say a bunch of really mean things to me. He told me that his entire staff of 15 people wants nothing to do with me. Wait, nothing to do Um, with you medically or personally or? I guess both. But later he backpedaled and said it was only two nurses who I had spoken to on the phone, like, early on in my recovery when I was trying to get refills on meds. And they didn't want to give them to me. So I got labeled as a um, difficult patient. (sighs) and I was very emotional in this appointment and I'm never emotional. My mom was there with me. I have a witness and I at one point got up to leave because he was really just berating me and he goes, see, this is what you do every time, every time you just do this. And I've never, ever, I mean, that sounds like an abusive like boyfriend. Like it was shocking. Like I've gone onto the TOS forums and warmed everybody about this guy. It was completely shocking. When he left the office, I had like a 10 minute long panic attack, had to breathe into one of those nurse gloves, you know, because I couldn't find a paper bag, but it was horrible. And that's like abusive partner stuff. Like that's awful. Completely. No, it's completely an abusive relationship. And then later I go to read the visit notes and he's written that I am a difficult patient in my attitude and desire to obtain narcotics. And I have not asked him for any Norco in two months. I get those from my primary. I couldn't believe it. So now this is in my file and I have to try to reverse it. I have to go like prove to my primary, which she has a good relationship and a longstanding one. And she's going to know this is a lie. It's just, this is the stuff we deal with. And then we almost get blamed and shamed for our pain when it doesn't go away. 
I don't know if he was upset that the surgery didn't work or if he was upset. I don't know. I don't know what his deal was, but he was cruel. I mean, with chronic pain, you're dealing with two sides of society on, on this. You're dealing with the shame of you're not functioning the way that we all want you to function. And then, and then you're trying to function and take medication to function. They're like, Oh my God, you can't take that. That's like, you know, that's, that's contributing to the opioid crisis. Like, right. And then like you get it from, I, I get it from my pharmacy where it's like, they only give me one month at a time, and that's great because CVS and Walmart, and yes, I will call both of those out, absolutely, seven days. Mm-hmm. Because yep. when you're in chronic pain, you can absolutely go drive to these places, stand in fucking line, and totally. then wait for them to find your pills and then have to drive back because they said it's going to take an hour, you're going to faint. This didn't absolutely just happen to me, by the way. Um, it's not like you have a condition where like your femur is going to pop out when you're in line or anything like that. So you're fine to stand in line for like hours, right? I'm saying that like relocating my <laughs> wrist for the girl while she's like sitting there, like chewing gum, like flipping through like all the stuff. She's like, Oh yeah, I guess it's your day to pick up, but we don't have it. So like 40 minutes. <laughs> no. Oh good. Yeah. But then if I leave, which I had to, then I have, it's 30 days from when I pick up. So it ended up being a whole nother week before I could get down there because I couldn't drive for the whole week. I popped out my tibia waiting in fucking line. Right. So now I can't get my pain meds for a month and a week. It's ridiculous. I go to Walgreens now because I got. Oh, that's where I go now. That's that's how they treated me at Walgreens. It's one month. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. One month at Walgreens. I guess it's a little better than CVS. Seven but days. It's, just, it's a problem. When did and they decide to, that they're more educated than the pain clinics? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. It's like, when did it become their job? And now everybody's chiming in. And it's like, I'm here because I, I'm in a legitimate amount of pain. I'm not here because I want to get high off pills. I don't know who would do that to their body. I mean, you know all the negative side effects from opioids. We don't need to talk about, I guess we do, the constipation and all the other fun yeah, side effects. absolutely talk happen. about this. There's actually medication to counteract the side effects because there's no exactly. option for so many of us. Like, right. There, I, like, I, do, I understand there are people who have addiction issues with opioids. And, man, I'm sorry, that's a, that is a tough climb. I, I bow down absolutely. to all of you dealing with it. I honestly don't understand the upside to opioids except I can function like but I've been on them right. for so long because I've been in pain for so long maybe I'm not getting the <laughs> the fun side of it <laughs> I don't know but yeah oh man I I just don't know how people deal with like having chronic pain and the addiction issue as well like that yeah that's baffling to me and I bow down to any of you dealing with that that's insane that's a, yeah, a whole other level of oh god I'm sorry <laughs> yeah And I mean, most people get addicted because of they have an injury or this or that happens. They start taking the pills and then they can't get off of them. And it's honestly, it's really sad. And that's kind of, I think, what spurred the whole opioid crisis into action. I mean, it is. And um, there's there's a difference between the people who are never going to be out of pain. I am never going to get better. It's not going to happen unless um, someone suddenly decides to put some funding into EDS research or into chronic pain research. Like there's, this is my genetic structure. There's no, (laughs) there's no awesome changing of it. Um, and there's a big difference between someone who's going to have to run the marathon of chronic pain and someone who just has to do a sprint. Right. And not saying that doing the sprint sucks. I'm uh, the sprint sucks. I'm sorry. That has this whole host of things, but there's a different 
way to handle the pain management for those two separate issues, I guess. Absolutely. Well, one's acute and one's chronic, right? And they should be treated differently. Absolutely. And they kind of aren't in a way. No, no, not at all. And um, like you said, Norco is treated the same as fentanyl. Which fentanyl, like you can touch it and die. Yeah, it's that's a that is a no joke thing. And for yeah. some people, it is an absolute important part of their chronic pain regimen. I'm not going to speak to that. I don't take Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But um, I took it in the hospital, and it was amazing. I mean, but there's just. A- <laughs> I'm serious. Post-op, I was like, more fentanyl, please. But it's just there's such a difference between all of those. They they should be like a distinction of of classes of like narcotics, I believe. That that would be nice. And if the you know evil Keebler elf could get off his high horse and understand some of that. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) I've made up names for them because I found that every time I try to say their actual name, I get caught here, and it's just like. I feel like I'm going to throw up a little bit. So I found my cute little names, like the Cheeto elect, the yeah, the Keebler elf from hell. It, it tends to help a little bit. You know, you have to put a little level T yeah. into these four years. Otherwise, I think we're all going to facepalm ourselves into a coma. Absolutely. So yeah, you're not going to have humor I, for all of this. Um, yeah. We've actually hit 54 minutes and I, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun chatting with you. Um, Me I, too. I wanted to get to, because you have some really cool life hacks. And I wanted to ask you my Tim Ferriss question. I always give him credit for this because I think it's an awesome question. Is there anything that you've purchased for under $100 that is really helpful to you? I'm trying to remember what I said on your questionnaire. Can you remind me? I, I, I was just starting to look it up because I was um, – so I think you said, oh, your wireless headphones, which you're wearing. So the Apple AirPods. Okay, so those things – Those are under $100? So oh, my God, Apple. You actually made something under $100? <laughs> Okay, no, I lied. They're not under a hundred. My brother works for Yahoo, and he was able to get them for me for a hundred because he gets a discount. Normally, they're one hundred and eighty dollars. I was going to say Tim Cook is a shady man. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of slid in on that one, luckily, but they have been honestly like such a lifesaver because holding my phone hurts me, and you know, looking down hurts my neck. Holding it up hurts my arm. Um, it's kind of freed me to be able to text and talk and listen to podcasts, go on a walk. And you know, the headphones with the cords, you spend 15 minutes fumbling around trying to untangle them. Guess what? I'm already flared up and done. Like, so (laughs) these have saved me. Um, and also I know you talk about, um, topicals a lot and I have a topical that's really helped me out. It's called golden tiger, not tiger bomb, golden tiger. It's all natural. And it seriously gives me like 35 to 45 minutes of pain relief. It's awesome. And is that medical marijuana or is that so you can get it no. at the store? Wow. So all of you everywhere can probably hire, order this on Amazon? You, I believe it's on Amazon and they also have a website. I got mine from my chiropractor, but I know you can order it online. And I was ordering so much, I actually ended up ordering a gallon. And my chiropractor was like, wow, I have literally never had anybody order a gallon. I'm like, well, guess what? <laughs> I bet you I'll order another one because... All right, so yes. everyone, I'm going to link the actual, like, buy this now in the show notes for you all, because that it's sounds awesome. pretty fantastic. For And for, that helps with nerve pain or just with general muscle pain? General muscle pain, I mean, it, it helps a little with nerve pain, but nerve pain is one of those things where it's really hard to get rid of, um, but it does help a little. I would say that. Like, it takes the edge off of it. I, I, all of you, separate with nerve pain, I'm sure you guys would do almost anything just for the edge to come off. 
Oh my gosh. Anything to get the edge off. I used uh, THC topical for my um, neuropathy. It's the only thing that worked. Do you mind linking up which one you use? Because I've used millions of those, not millions, but at least like I wish I could. Um, It is made for me. Oh, specially made. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so if anyone out there grows, I will give you the secret to this because the person who made this for me stumbled on it. And it's the only topical that does anything for me. No no shade to any topicals out there. And I know y'all are are working on a business model that is impossible. And you're doing this as a labor of love because being in the medical marijuana industry right now is... Well, you guys are, are swimming upstream. Um, but yeah. the secret is, and it's very expensive, is that you pick the buds at the height of the THC. And okay. I use Gorilla Glue and Trainwreck. And it's like two cups of bud. And you throw it in with like some Arnica and some like other anti-inflammatory herbs. And that's okay. how you make that balm. And it, it involves like massive amount of high THC flowers. But for some reason, it's the THC in the balm that helps my pain better than anything else. And I'm not the only one. I've had other friends with horrible conditions try it. And yeah. they've been begging the person to go into business. And the person is never going to go into business. So that's why I'm not even releasing who it is. But, <laughs> um, because this is the only thing that has ever done anything for my neuropathy. <laughs> yeah. And once you find that thing, right, like you fall in love with it. It's the same thing with my topical that I found. I'm like, I've never... I don't leave the house without it. If I do, I'm like, we have to go back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. once you find what works, you're just going to, like, stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, my I husband my... wants me to start growing. He's like, you should have plants here just because it's the only thing that helps. And if you can't get it, you need to. I'm like, but <laughs> I don't want to grow. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's, a lot. I mean, I just went to um, Harborside's, my, my um, dispensary, and it's amazing. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, props to Harborside. You guys are awesome. I love you all. But I was asking the guy behind, and he's like 20-something. He was adorable and shiny. And I was like, so how hard is this to grow? He's like, it's like having babies. And I'm like, mm, do you have babies? Because I feel like maybe you don't understand <laughs> what exactly having babies is like. He's like, no, I don't have babies. I'm like, okay, let's try this again. Maybe it's like having a pet. He's like, yes, yes, that's it. Like, great. <laughs> Go with that. Like, you can actually leave these plants for an hour without being worried that the house will be burned down to the ground, right? That's okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right, that's not parenting. <laughs> right. Yes, if the plants exactly. are quiet for 15 minutes, you don't have to worry about the toilet overflowing. Yes. <laughs> exactly. There's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, yeah, that was cute. So, so I don't know how much more time we have, but I just wanted to say something else really quickly. Please. Is that my partner... Yeah, my partner, my boyfriend, who is the most amazing person, um, he also has chronic issues. He has fibromyalgia, and he has ulcerative colitis. Oh, my God. See, I've heard of almost no men with fibro. That poor guy. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't even get, like, the level of support that you get for – that's insane. And he's – yeah, he deals with a lot of pain. And it's, like – it's kind of, like – it's amazing because he understands me everything. He's so patient and kind and supportive. He never loses his patience or gets irritated with my pain or any of that. And I think that's because he has it and he understands. So how do you guys handle two of you having bad days? How does that work? Right. That's what I was going to get to is that it's on a bad day. It's very difficult because it's like neither one of us can do anything. Sometimes we'll get a little short with each other, which is certainly, um, not how we feel. And it's difficult, but we've, we've kind of had our own life hacks. We've, learned how to kind of cook together 
Um, and kind of the two of us together, we've decided are like half of the normal person. So we <laughs> go with that. <laughs> So yeah, it's challenging, but honestly, like it's, I appreciate him so much because he understands, you know? So after we hang up, would you be willing just to write down like maybe your top five relationship hacks when two spoonies are in a relationship? Absolutely. I would appreciate that. I would love that. And so I'll put those right in the show notes at the very top, because I am sure you're not the only spoonie couple out there trying to navigate and I know the one person who's probably listening right now, our secret Spoonie, um, who's been doing our monthly secret Spoonie, uh, Spoonie in the Closet episodes. And that person is going to love that part of this podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I know I've heard about a lot of people who have very unsupportive partners, and I really feel for those people. Oh, my God. So like, I, yeah. My Eller Stainless board is full of divorces. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's so mm-hmm. wonderful. You guys can be supportive of each other. Yeah, and like literally this happened to me one month after we started dating. So he's just a saint, honestly. Wow, so he's just in it for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like, but, so, I, mean, I know we're, we're going a little over and fuck it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to just talk for a second about, I don't know if you get this feeling. I'm, I'm totally projecting my emotions over on you. But the feeling of worthiness when you're chronically ill and like trying to figure out where your worth is, especially as a romantic partner where it's like, I mean, like, I'm not going to ask your sex details, but just like, you know, like when you're like looking at like a relationship and you're thinking about it from a sexual side, like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how sexual I'm going to be feeling in the next, like, I don't know, one week to like five years or, I mean, like, I don't know how my personality is going to change based on the chronic pain and I don't think I can earn money anymore. So I'm going to need some financial help here and I can't drive anymore. So you're going to need to drive me places. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I've turned into like a 15 year old. Like I, I suddenly need like rides everywhere and I can't do things for myself. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's exactly. a lot to navigate in a, a new relationship. It I mean, my husband knew what he was getting into. We were friends for three years. He saw all of it, but that's really hard when you're starting something. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think if he didn't have his own chronic pain issues, I don't know that he would have been able to handle that. I mean, that's a lot to just put onto somebody. Like you said, like suddenly they have to do all these things for you. And you know, the thing with sex, like for me, it's more like, am I in, in like a level of pain where that I can do that? And I hate that, you know, I hate that it's like you lose some not that you lose the romance, but it's, you just, I just wish I was able to kind of be more romantic and have more of a quote, normal relationship, do quote, normal things. We're limited because of our chronic conditions, but we still like honestly makes the best of it. So. I mean, like, you know, sex is always such like a hard thing for people to like wrap their brains around or a lot of people to wrap their brains around, but it's a connection point. And when Absolutely. you're chronically ill, the connection points, become more and more difficult to find like I like I swear I'm not gonna talk about sex with my parents I prom like my parents sex life I promise I'm not gonna discuss that but I will say (laughs) it is that my dad became very disabled and very sick and their connection point was always hiking and for them to lose that was huge and yeah then when someone is their their world becomes limited they can't talk about work because they're not working and then you're like trying to find conversation like wow so the flowers bloomed today and there was a hummingbird and <laughs> you wouldn't believe what the dog did at noon like it's like even your conversation topics start changing up and like the dates 
start changing. And, like, one of the things my husband and I have tried really hard to do is find dates we can still do because I can't. I'm a pumpkin. I'm like Shrek. I Like, Fiona and Shrek. Like, I turn into a monster at night. Like, my bones start falling. Right? Night's the Mm -hmm. hardest for me. So we can't go on night dates. So no. we go star we go um, star watching outside in our our backyard and we grab like a bottle of wine and we go sit on the little like garden path and we look at stars. I mean like we perfect. stream like Doctor Who and the Magicians. Like I think we're like our fifth time through that entire Magician series, and I'm at least I my sixth time show. through on Doctor Who. I'm gonna have to check that one out. My boyfriend is always telling me about it, and I love the Magician. So oh my god, cool. yes, that's yeah. my favorite. I have the biggest crush on Elliot. It's insane. <laughs> I love it. I mean, like, I feel like the dirty old woman looking at that boy. <laughs> like, he's such a great oh, character. He's so awesome. The swagger. He's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're right. I mean, it's like we we do like lunch dates because I know, like, I'm a pumpkin too. Past like four or five o'clock, my pain's up high. I don't even want to go anywhere. And interacting with people becomes like harder and everything because your pain goes up, and you just want to kind of relax at that point and just not have to put on the face and fake it and deal. So I definitely like get things done in the morning. Well, th- what little I can do, but that's like kind of my prime time that noon. And then, you know, the pumpkin happens. The, that, that mean pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's coming. You can see the orange come around the corner. Like, wait, just hold on a little longer. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, please. Oh my God. All. No, no, my kids don't listen. My dogs don't listen. My cat. No, that. no, no. Cats my bones. They, they don't know. No. Oh, my cat decided to get super effective. So last night I had um, a pinched nerve because my left wrist kept dislocating and it kept trapping a nerve. And I know my, my physical therapist is probably listening to this cringing going, I just fixed you woman. What are you? T- <laughs> we spent an hour on Monday fixing this. What do you mean? It came back. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Corey, you're awesome. I love you, but came back. And yeah, so, like, happened. yeah. And with nerve pain, it's screaming. Like there's no, there's no smiling through that one. And so my mm-hmm. cat, who is usually the bitchiest creature next to me gets concerned and starts chirping and it's 11 <laughs> o'clock at night. And my husband like gets really soft about the cats and he's like, they look cold. They're going to sleep in our room. I'm like, so I'm screeching and crying and our cat Pandora was like oh human this does not look good so she jumps on me (laughs) starts drooling on my neck because that's helpful and starts chirping and like (laughs) this is all bad (laughs) sorry that was digressing and we're at an hour and seven minutes and this has been so fantastic we covered um Business owning and closing as a Spoonie. We did some awesome discussions on relationships and Spoonies. Um, I learned about TOS, which, man, that sucks. I'm so sorry. And <laughs> uh, bad surgeons and pain clinics and what it's like to um, start getting onto bad lists. So this was yeah. a lot to unpack. And thank you so much for being so open. <laughs> of course. Thank you for having me. I, I was, I've been really excited about this. And in fact, like, a while ago, I thought, you know, someone should have a podcast where they interview different Spoonies. And guess what? So I, I'm really thankful. I mean, you put it out in the universe. What can I do but answer? <laughs> Thank you so much. You answered my call. I thought I was waiting for someone and you did it. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It means so much to Kiros and I. We're still a baby podcast. We're only six months old. And if you would like to be really, really nice to us, you can share this episode with a friend or someone you wish understood chronic illness or invisible disorders better. 
And you can also go to iTunes, leave an embarrassingly nice review, and of course, press that subscribe button. Tune in for a new episode next Monday a.m. And until next time, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.